0: Bear Nation, how we doing? This is your host, Rob Napoli, and you are tuning in to another episode of the Bear Necessities Podcast, a podcast where we sit down with entrepreneurs, ecosystem partners, and innovation folks to talk about what it takes to launch, create, and scale businesses across the world. Bear Nation, how we doing? It's your boy, Rob Napoli, and this podcast has been in the works for about a year. And I mean, we've been trying to sit fucking down for about a year to get get this on the books, but we've been so busy going back and forth, our schedules haven't aligned. But I'm excited to have my friend Nick Kapazi on the show. Nick, how are we doing, man?
1: Yeah, Rob, I couldn't be better, and I was also jazzed up for this. We've been the reason we waited was because there was talk of, am I coming through New York? Or I wanted to do this in person with you, but this is going to be great nonetheless.
0: And I I was trying to come down to Phoenix and we're trying to make that happen. And there's just so much that was like going on that I kept it. And, and, you know, so Nick is kind of, I mean, this guy. So we'll we'll get into your background a little bit, but he is the co-founder of a community called Social Social, which is a social media think tank, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, you're the head of storytelling at DemoStack. You got that DemoStack representing right there. Um, you are a king of videos, king of brand evangelism. Basically, this guy with DemoStack decided to get a Jeep, wrap it, and went on a fucking you know nation tour, except didn't make it all the way to the East, to New York. That was what we we're trying to make happen. And just went out and created content everywhere. And I fucking loved it. So let's, let, you know, there's two types of main topics I want to cover, which is, you know, content creation and then brand evangelism. Yep. So let's start on the brand side of things. I think this is really interesting and it's a hot topic, but just before I jump into that, give us your quick background because you have an, a unique background, which I love uh, when you share it. So tell us about like what, where did you get your start and how did you fall in love on the brand side like because you went on the brand side originally you were a seller yep. and you've worked your way into content and brand so tell me about your little journey to, to where you are today
1: well the irony was i was selling brands but i'll get to that so real quick backstory uh i went to college for radio i knew as a kid i wanted to work in radio so i went to humber college in toronto i was in radio and then tv for about five years one day i was at a party and someone said you do this radio thing on a stage and i'm like fuck yeah Next thing I knew, I stepped onto a cruise ship in Miami, spent 10 years living at sea pitching brands, high-end luxury duty-free. When you think duty-free, you think like Toblerone bars and perfume, but it was like really high-end Swiss watch houses, jewelry brands that you know. And um, we were presenting these concepts on a stage. So I have like 10,000 hours on a stage pitching, trade 800 people, how to be live stage presenters, move shore side, became an executive, worked for the biggest cruise line companies uh, in revenue. And then I pivoted to tech by accident because I started posting content on LinkedIn about two and a half years ago, but what I knew, which was sales presentation skills. And uh, that's it, man. That's, that's the long and the short of it. But today I am the head of storytelling at demo stack and that's, you know, a marketing evangelist role. So I'm creating awareness for the brand And it's kind of a mix of uh, a content, video content specifically, and then you know about a third live events and a third virtual events. So that's that's kind of my day job.
0: I I love it, and you know when you were doing one, you have the perfect like radio voice for sure. I love like it's amazing. Like you are meant to be behind a microphone. Um, When you were when you kind of got into this live, you know the, the 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 stuff on the cruise line, what about it excited you? Like why did being on a stage, like you're selling other people's brands, right? And on a cruise ship, there's you know, you're basically on a floating ship, right? And there's nothing else to do besides what's on that ship, right? It's not like I mean you have a couple day excursions, but for the most part, you're spending your time either in your room, at the bar, at the food court, um, at the pool, whatever the activities are, and you're there to go be active. But like here you are trying to sell them to buy stuff. So like what what made that exciting for you, and 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 what was it about that that you thought just made it fun? Like, what about being at sea made it fun for you to be around all these people selling brands and like?
1: <laughs> well, let me tell you, being at sea and living on cruise ships is a whole other conversation. I mean, I could be a Netflix series just sitting on a couch telling you cruise ship stories. I mean, what kind of true crime do you want, Rob? Because I've seen it, I've lived it. Um, so, but I'll park that. I think from, from a sales perspective, like I love being on stage, right? I was still a radio guy, except now I had a 500 person audience. And what was cool about it was that like, if you are thinking about taking a cruise and you're coming from Brooklyn in the winter, when are you thinking about your cruise? You're thinking about it like on the train, like three weeks in in advance as you're heading into Manhattan. Right. So but you're not thinking about buying duty free. If you're thinking about any, you're thinking about the sun. First of all, you're thinking about the pool, the islands, what excursions I want to go on. But if you are thinking about revenue departments, you're thinking about excursions, the spa, the casino, the sexy departments. So we weren't sexy. So what was cool was I, now that I have this terminology from tech um, I can use it, but we were doing demand gen with video content like in 1999 We were giving value in 1999, like helping people out and solving problems. to get them to understand what we did. So I think part of the reason I fit so well was like my personal ethos and how I look at myself as like a hotelier on the cruise ships, hotelier first, seller second, I think has really helped me in the B2B space. And I think that's also what's really cool now was, you know, my brand background. These were like big, like brands that like are are sponsoring the FIFA World Cup level of brands. This wasn't small potatoes. Um, and I think what was really cool was that having having spent most of my career looking at selling through a B2C lens, I think now when I create content in a B2B environment, it changes it or it gives me a unique perspective because B2C is sexy. It's chicken wings and beer and Nikes, right? Well, an efficiency tool is not sexy. Saving you time and money is not sexy. How do you make it interesting? And to me, it's about making it experiential.
0: I love that. And, and honestly, I think that's part of what I love and why I love, you know, working in brand and wrote a book on it is I worked in B2C. I worked, I sold shoes um is what I started in retail. And I used to, I had Ronnell Richards on the podcast and we talked about, you know, when you're selling shoes, it's the thing that was why I became a top shoe seller is I would ask like, what kind of running do you do? Like, what kind of gait do you have? Like, and not about like trying to sell the shoes, like asking those personal questions, but it's, but it made it really easy that when it came time to sell the shoe, it was sexy. Like, this is this, and it's Nike and blah blah, and then I sold a wearable device B two C company, and I helped them scale. And so when I got into that B two B kind of marketing and brand, it's like, cool saving you time and money isn't sexy, and and I and honestly saving you time and money like isn't really a value proposition, right? Unless yep. uh, there's a few things are, but for the most part, it's process or it's something else, and the time and money is the byproduct of whatever you're saving them, right? Like you're doing this more efficient, and the byproduct of that is time and money. Right. So how do you make that process sexy? How do you and when you kind of put that like B2C kind of marketing, advertising, branding hat on and you bring that to the B2B space, you can do some really cool, fun shit, which I think if anyone has seen any of the content that Nick um, and and you did. A, oh, what's the. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Your buddy that you helped, like you guys have done a lot of co-created videos that are just hilarious as fuck. Will Aiken. Will Aiken, the British guy, yes. Like the two of you have done some so much fun collaboration making like B2B stuff just absolutely hilarious. How did so you have this brand, you're thinking about this. How did how did this turn into, okay, how do we make brands sexy? Right? How do we make B2B sexy? And how did you kind of like, when you got this opportunity to be a brand evangelist and storytelling, what did it mean to you? What does brand evangelism mean to you? And and why is it important to make B2B sexy in terms of
1: content? So first question first. So I think the way I look at it was, so one of, so what we did, we did a 30 day road trip and we were interviewing influencers and it was a social equity play. So basically I'm going to interview someone who's really well known in the sales tech SaaS space we're going to shoot content for Demo Stack, but then I'm also going to off-camera interview them, kind of produce direct, and we were gifting content. So that was the first way we kind of leveraged partnerships. The second was with these brands. So we partnered with Outreach and Vidyard. And again, it wasn't a, a dollar exchange. It was a social equity barter exchange. Are you willing, when we're on tour, if we're plugging you and gifting you videos, are you willing to promote uh the posts we're doing just through your go to market team like dropping in your slack channel but can you get 30 40 people involved regularly so that was incredibly effective um but to to hammer home you know, based on your exact question one of the one of the companies we were working with was a gifting company um so hey listen sounds cool take a meeting i'll send you a $50 gift card you can use it for whatever so that's a nice to have right but what we did was as we were gifting these cards to all our speakers, we were recording their reaction, recording them going into their phone, looking at what they could get. And when we chopped this up with like 20 different people in it, you know, this 90 second video became like super impactful about the experience of what people were actually doing. And I think that's the the place brands miss. So when I talk to people who work in brand marketing, I think the way they think about it is it is about the whole experience, but it's more about the aesthetic experience, I find. the What does it look like? What is the sound? What is our narrative? But how do you bring that to life with video? And I think that's where a lot of people need help. I think that's where the opportunity is missed. So that's the first question. Second one in terms of brand evangelism, I think this is critical because you need to control your own audience in 2023. The one thing I've realized, you cannot rely on, you know, Buying webinar time essentially with communities. What you need to do every day is is have someone, whether it's your CEO, whether it's the content a content marketer experimenting with TikTok, but you need someone out there talking about your brand. And I think there's a couple ways to look at that. Quick little subset here is that one: you can look at it as um, we're just going to pitch, which most companies do. Or you can make it about the problems you solve and then it's kind of like it's thinly veiled promotion for your company. But really what you're doing is giving value, right? That's how I look at it.
0: So I kind of break that out for a second because I think that's really important. The first part you brought up, like, or, and I agree with you, so many brands, like, is this on brand, right? Is it the right colors? Is it the right aesthetic? Is right. the right narrative? But, but what misses is like, who cares if there's no experience to it? who cares if there's not a tangible result from it. Right. And the other thing is, is we saw the rise of like the webinars and the boot camps and the courses and all that during the pandemic. And, and we were gobbling that up, but as we come back out of it, that there's staying power in those that have, as you said, owning their community. Right. Yeah. And so what happened, and we see this a lot now is we see people who are hired as head of brand evangelism or brand evangelist at this right. company. And it's sometimes not the CEO. It's an influencer. It's a content creator. It's a former executive who now has their consultancy. Why, how, I mean, how have you seen this role? Why did it become a role in your opinion? And why, how does the brand evangelist help a company yeah. own that audience on a day to day basis? Like, let's talk, let's kind of break that down a little bit. Cause you went into that subset, which I love, which I want to kind of get into. So let's break
1: that down a little bit. So I'll, I'll tell you from my own experience. So, you know, when SalesFeed was launched by Vidyard, so Vidyard is an incredible uh, video communication tool specifically used by sellers. They launched a kind of comedy brand called SalesFeed. And, um, you know, I'd had some discussions with Tyler Lassard, who built it, uh, who's the VP of marketing at um, Vidyard. And, um, you know, he wound up going with Will Aiken at the time, and which was 1 million percent the right the right thing to do. And I watched what Will did. I watched how Will built this new channel for sales feed, how it, it shined a, a light on Vidyard, and frankly, how Will's personal brand blew up. And I said, well, that's really interesting. And I, th- I said, there's something to that. And then I started seeing more and more people get involved, or I start to notice more and more. So like Travis Tyler from PandaDoc is one of the best. Hilarious, mixes business with humor. Will Aiken, of course. Um, Amelia Taylor with Reggie, uh, Arthur Castillo doing an amazing job with this at Chili Piper. And I think that's, what's really interesting is that there's all these plays with, with evangelism and having someone out there as the face of your company. But I think there's also something to the dark social that has happens behind the scenes where people like Travis will Arthur, Amelia and myself are in these WhatsApp chat chat groups discussing these things. And and I think Um, there, I think this is going to become more of the future. I am so bullish on community and I think owning your audience and owning your community is so critical. And I think the best way to do it is with a brand evangelist and where I think people get stuck, especially with a CEO is how does it, how does a CEO who's wearing so many hats put time into developing content? So depending where you are as a company, you know, potentially bringing in someone to do brand evangelism is really key. Um, And that was also why we launched Social Social. So Will Aiken and Jen Allen are my partners in Social Social. And what we realized was or or where I started the conversation on this was there's a few things. There's one thing I'm good at. I can capture a lot of content really fast. My first choke point was editing, which became a problem. That was a solution we needed help with to because we were capturing so much content. We just couldn't produce enough, put it through the factory to get it on social. But then the other was, how do you distribute on social? And there was all this, you know, misinformation or anecdotal things about this is what you do on LinkedIn. This is what you do with YouTube shorts. This is what you do on Reddit. So we built socialsocial.io. Um, and that was really for a think tank to find what's working, what's minute ready to go. Um, and it's been very effective. So, you know, we had problems and we were looking for solutions.
0: I love that. I think, You know, another big buzzword that came out of the pandemic was like community. Everyone creating a community and and community this and community that. And you saw some communities blow up. You saw some communities fall flat on their face. And I think that you kind of made a big point that community is really impactful, but you need somebody that can help evangelize the community to drive conversation. And that doesn't always have to be CEO. Some companies, the CEO is the best person to be the face. Other companies, some CEOs are like, I don't want to be the face. I got all these hats. I want to stay behind the scenes. I'm more technical, whatever. And you want to bring somebody in to do that. I think understanding that as a company, but this idea of community, and I think as you're building social, social, you know, one of the things I've seen y'all do well is that there's a lot of great people in there that want to drive conversations, right? I'm in a lot of Slack groups and I've like, I made, I was at one point, I had 21 different Slack channels that were like community things. And I like removed 90% of them because I was just like, Mm -hmm. I I was, I wasn't in any of them. I was like on the edge of all of them and I was consuming content, but I wasn't able to really get deep because it was like notification this. And I got like notification anxiety.
1: So, so I think real quick, sorry, Rob, you were going to love me a question, but just really quick point. I think the key with the community is picking one and really getting going deep. So I think deep versus wide is important here. So a great example would be Pavilion. Pavilion, if you are selling to, you know, C-suite marketing sales leaders, um, that's where you wanna live. So, you know, find one community and double down on that. Uh, but sorry, I just wanna make that point.
0: That was, that was actually gonna be the question is, is, what advice do you have on how to best leverage community, both from a consumer yep. standpoint and a business standpoint, right? And. That's one of the things that I realized, like, I needed to cut back and go deep in a few of them, yep. one or two of them that, I, that I'm really passionate about. And it's kind of changed the game in terms of networking connections and opportunity. But to make a community really work, we have these brand evangelist roles, and there's a lot of companies trying to do this. So what, in your opinion, makes a good brand evangelist? Like, what are the things that that role should be doing, that person should be doing for the brand, and how do they capitalize on that position?
1: I think they need to have a deep understanding of the product. That's the most important. Are they a good fit for the product? I was a good fit with demo stack because I taught presentation skills and demo stack helps you give a much better demo, right? So to me, part of the reason that we, we had so much success both myself and for demo stack was there was such an alignment between the two. I think that's really key. Um, I think that, There's a lot of young people who are maybe new, maybe like an SDR who's like, look, I don't want the pressure of carrying this bag, but I like the space and I can talk about the space. And I think you need to look at them, you know, especially another big thing we did was I was on the road 120 days in eight months in 2022. So I was everywhere. I had a a tripod and a mic ready to go. So if you can find someone who can talk about it, is aligned with your product, and can get in front of people and aren't afraid to use a camera. You can develop interviewing skills. All you have to do if you want to get, become a better interviewer is read any Larry King's book. If you remember Larry King Live, one of the best interviewers ever. Joe Rogan, Take Politics Out of the Equation, is such a brilliant interviewer. And the reason is, this is a key point, Zoe Hartsfield taught me this, full credit to Zoe. He has inverse charisma. He's so fucking curious about who he's talking to in the subject matter that he pulls out their most engaging and charismatic self more than they could ever get to on their own. Right? So do you have someone, can you find someone who is really into the topic and can, can learn some interviewing skills? And then a big part of we did was bartering content. We either collaborated on content or we would shoot content for us, but then, Hey, we, we chopped up three videos. I'm not in it. This is for your own social helps to make friends.
0: It does. I mean, I for every podcast that I do, for my guests, we chop up three, four, five, six pieces of content that's just them. And it's mm-hmm. them with a fire, quote, fire, you know, knowledge bomb. It's like, here, yeah. and, and I and I put it in a real format, right? Like, I believe, I, I think Square Video was out a long time ago. In fact, real format, most people are on their phones, even Portrait. on LinkedIn. So it gets yep. better plays because it's using full real estate. I'm like, here, here's five reels that you can throw on TikTok. You can throw on YouTube Shorts. You can throw on Instagram, you can throw on LinkedIn tomorrow. Here you go. And I think one of the things that brands are starting to realize, the ones that are really taking off, is that power and collaboration. It used to be like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. want to like share my stuff or blah, blah. Cross pollination can be such a big thing in the space.
1: I love that. And most people miss that. And I think that's, you know, we've kind of gone through, through the foundation. We've now built the house. We put the roof on, the drywall. Is actually that. And I think that's really key is partnerships. And that's the opportunity that's missed. And if you look at there's an amazing newsletter that partner hacker puts out, big fan of, of the content. And um people want to to be better partners to each other. They don't know how to do it. And I think sometimes the way people look at partnership is like, well, what else is in the sales tech stack? How do I work that into the conversation? I'm so worried about closing my deal. Do I actually want to bring up partners? But I think there's opportunities either in content collaboration or through events. We did an amazing party, Demo stack did uh, last year with Avneo. Um, we did a party with uh, Lavender and JB Sales in Toronto. So, you know, what are ways that you can collaborate? So you're bringing collaborator, collaborators together who are making content together. What does that look like? Um, that partnership is the missed opportunity. And if you're looking for a North star on that, I'm telling you that partner hacker newsletter is fire.
0: The last question on brand evangelism is what do you think about, there's a lot of conversation about this, like, you know, people in the fr- front line folks like SDRs and account executives have, you know, kind of building their own personal brands and yep. kind of becoming mini brand evangelists. What's your opinion on that? Cause there's, there's some really like big debates on that going on on the internet. So what is your feeling on that as a brand evangelist yourself?
1: I think there's certain people who could transcend brand evangelists and actually become their own media company. And I look at them very differently. So I think there's, you have content creators, you have true influencers, people with like big followings who've earned that following. And then you have people who are not a lot of them right now, but people who are looking to become media companies. I've got someone out of the SaaS space. His name's Sean Walshef from Cali Barbecue Media he's got four fucking podcasts talking about fucking barbecue and how to grow your restaurant. And he takes you through building your restaurant. What's what's necessary for that. So he's built a media, is a media company. He's not an influencer anymore. So, and, and, you know, if you it, just look at some of the sponsorships he has, I don't, I don't want to talk out of school. Um, but that's, that's what the opportunity is. And I think what happened, you know, you mentioned courses before, I think part of what happened post pandemic was that was hot people were looking for solutions, but a lot of people did it. And there was a lot of kind of templated, how to post, what to post, blah, blah, blah. And so many people were doing that, that LinkedIn became more crowded. But according to LinkedIn, 1% of people who are regular users, and I'm pretty sure I have this right, but according to LinkedIn, 1% of people who are active users, and by active, they mean logging in at least once a week, create content. Well, how many of that 1% are creating video content? 1% of 1%. So that's the opportunity. And the other thing that's interesting, and this is one of the things we actually teach in social social is how to make content at scale because, um, the, the key thing is, is you want quality always like, don't, don't throw up shit, but you need volume. If you can be posting 30 videos a month, which sounds crazy, but like, that's like three hours of work. If you have a plan and we'll teach you that in social social, But if you're posting 30 videos a month, you become instantly recognizable. You become a face. They might not stop all the time, but I also will tell you this. Everyone who's bought from me has been a lurker, not people liking and commenting. It's the people who are lurking. So the more you are visible, the more people are aware with you, the more niche you get. It was a problem I had when I got out of cruise. I'm like, I'm a fucking generalist. Like my versatility, the fact that I can think from a marketing, sales, brand, SDR, customer success. That's, that's what I'm hanging my hat on. No one fucking bought from me. The more niche I got, the more into this really granular detail, right? The more people bought from me. So, you know, don't, again, go deep. Don't go wide.
0: Yeah. And that's hard because you, you know, you have a lot of passions and it's okay to have those passions, but this is where I say, you know, the lurkers have always been the, the crux of my business. I always, I mean, I've talked openly about how a lot of my business I've never had to do outbound. The last few years, because there's so many people lurk on my content, but it's not so much my content as much as my engagement as well. I engage on five posts a day. People see me commenting, people see me engaging, people see me doing this so that as they're lurking, like, oh, Rob knows this person or Rob knows that person or Rob's engaged in that content. Rob's in that conversation and like, it creates a better fun. And this is where a brand evangelist, I think, this is why companies should have a brand evangelist, but also why they should allow their employees to be mini brand builders within their, within their kind of role of what they're doing, if they're a seller or whatever, because they can also kind of create some organic conversation by being them.
1: So I always tell people, so let's say you're a solopreneur trying to build your own business or a B2B, you know, series D company or an SDR just starting out. There's three ways you can create influence and create engagement. You can either create content, you can curate content, especially position yourself as a new source And then finally, you can comment on content. Commenting on content is the most important, to your point. You can build a whole fucking business off following the right people and commenting on their content. But if you do all three things together, you're you're unstoppable.
0: I, want, I mean, it's, you know, there's a book, I don't remember who wrote it called The Social Soul uh, that talks about that exact uh, playbook in
1: his Never book. Never heard um, of that. Hold on. He's <laughs> to my, my Amazon right now.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, literally I have the six C's of uh, building a brand um, yep. in my book called The Social Soul and three of them are curate, comment and create. Like those are three of the six C's of building a brand. Uh, and I've been talking about this for years and I love that you're bringing that that up and, and, and you, you just so rightly identified that. Bare Nation, thanks for listening to the bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review.